Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lots. Good afternoon, everyone, and this is Patty Holstrand and Radio. Uh, we're having a little bit of problem with our Internet, so hopefully we'll have any more problems. Today we're going to be talking to Kelly, Girl Waterhouse, and her wonderful new book, and of course, where our big subject this week is making your dreams come true in 2012, and she is definitely an epitome of that. Definitely, you know, that definition of making your dreams come true. So, with no further ado, I believe that Kelly is online. Am I right? Yes, I am. Hello, Patty. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. Just to warn you, I've been knocked off twice today, and nobody's in uh, Blog Talk Radio's office today, uh, this week. So, uh, <laughs> uh, we'll play it that year. Yeah, just, you know, technology is a wonderful thing. Sometimes it doesn't quite work right. So, yeah, we'll make do with what we can. So, I want you to uh, inform people a little more about you, and you know where you live, and uh, and your family. We'll start there. Okay. All right. Well, um, I currently live in Phoenix, Arizona. I've just moved down here with my husband, Kelly. His name is Kelly, and that's why you hear me. I call myself Kelly Girl. Um, we've been here two years, but before that, we um, lived in Seattle and uh, had a house in Kirkland and decided to, um, you know, do something a little different, and we sold it and bought a boat and lived on that for a while. And in the process, you know, we were thinking we would sail it around the world. So in 2005, he and I actually cut the dock lines and took our little 35-foot boat and sailed her to over 30 countries and 15,000 nautical miles. But, you know, that that's you know, even before that, you know, I never would have dreamed that I've done something like that because I grew up in Minnesota, you know, in the middle of a cornfield, you know, uh-huh. with some lakes and water skiing and things like that. But never did I ever imagine that I would have a husband that would take me around the world. There you go. Now, did you both both live in Minnesota or... No, actually, um, I moved out there for uh, with a company um, once I graduated out of college. I worked in a little little restaurant. Uh, I managed a little Chinese deli, and my husband actually worked across the street, and that's how we met. And he was the one that grew up in Seattle. Um, he actually learned how to sail in San Francisco with his grandparents. That taught him 
they were 50 when they learned how to sail, and so they started teaching their adult children and then grandchildren how to sail. And um, it's something that my husband just fell in love with. It just seemed to be innate with him. And he would read books, you know, sailing around the world type, uh, Joshua Slocum and Bernard Motissier, and uh, he had that love of sailing. So then when I met him, for some reason the sailing wasn't really big. It was more of the wakeboarding and, you know, powerboats and skiing and things like that. So <laughs> we, we loved the fast, fast boat. But, you know, as we matured a bit, um, we got back, he got back into sailing after we got married and uh, bought a little 22-foot Catalina. It's a little boat with a little cabin mm-hmm. in it. And he introduced me to sailing, and that's kind of how that got started. Well, isn't Seattle a good place for that? Pardon? Is Seattle's perfect. Oh, the the Puget Sound and and up into the British Columbia, the, the you know the um, the Gulf Islands up there, and the and the uh, San Juans are wonderful areas, great cruising grounds uh, to learn, as well as to um, you know go for a day trip where you can go weeks at a time and just explore different coves and bays and things like that. It was it was beautiful. Wow. Definitely different than Arizona, wouldn't you say? Well, then, yeah. So we have so many families. (laughs) They're wondering, what? Okay, you went on this trip, and and how did you end up in the desert? But um, (laughs) I don't know. We're we're still wondering. But we actually, um, you know, there was a few reasons for it, and we're really not that far from the ocean. Uh, You can drive to San Diego or to see Cortez. That's for sure, and uh, San Diego is a good, good area for uh, for sailing. And uh, again, it's not too far; it's only a few miles. Uh, you know, uh, what, three or four mile, uh, not miles. I'm sorry. Of well, let me see. Hours. Actually, probably hours about drive. six hours. Yeah. Six hours. Yeah. I haven't yeah. been to San Diego in a little while. I, I know, uh, you know, obviously Los Angeles area, and uh, I have family in San, in San Francisco. And mm-hmm. that's a wonderful area for sailing as well. Oh, it really is. I mean, that's that. You know, you get the fog, you have the high winds. Um, there's a, so many competent sailors. There, there's so many sailing clubs and marinas, and it's a great sailing community up and down the West Coast, really. Wow, I didn't even consider it being a, a community. Jeez, uh... Oh. Yeah, well, especially it is, um, you know, in a marina, just living in a marina, it's a a slower-paced life. Um, I think you say hi to your neighbor more. Um, People are a little more friendly. Um, You walk to your boat, so you're engaging and and interacting with people while you're walking the docks. It's like once you open the the gate door into marina, you're, you're, you're kind of putting away what happens on land, and you're starting to evolve into what can happen on the water. And it was just just living in a marina really reminded me of the small town I grew up in in Minnesota, that, you know, people know who you are. They recognize you and say hello and, and see how you're doing, that kind of thing. Well, that, that sounds like a lot of fun, uh, being able to get to know a lot of people close to you. Um, I'm going to ask you a few questions, and you and I have, have already talked about a few of these. Mm-hmm. Um, before the boat, yeah, you had a normal life, 
doing what exactly? <laughs> you know, we when people hear that, you know, we we left our jobs for four years, they they instantly think we had a lot of money. Um, they they think maybe or trust fund babies or had really high end jobs. Um, you know, I worked in customer service for a packaging company, a great company. They treated me well. My husband worked for a high-end furniture uh, company um, selling high-end beds and mattresses, that sort of thing. And he worked there for 13 years, so he was in sales. And I wouldn't say that we were, you know, upper middle class. I would say lower middle class possibly, um, you know, 30-somethings trying to, you know, make the mortgage payment and that sort of thing. So, so we had somewhat of a, I guess, a middle class life, um, and it just, yeah, this kind of, that's kind of where we came from. Well, this was a something that you suddenly, you know, it hit you guys that you should do this, or what exactly happened to start the ball rolling on this? Well, after we got married, you know, and, and Kelly, he bought the little boat. We just started thinking about. I never even knew you could live on a boat because I always thought they were small, you know, of course, unless it was a mega yacht. But he started. we started looking at, you know, 50-foot boats and 35-foot boats and, and started thinking, wow, we could we could live in a boat and, and uh, maybe take it places besides the Puget Sound. And, you know, he brought some of the old books that he used to read and introduced me to those things and, so we just started talking about it, and that was that was the beginning. Then we had to go, well, if we want to do this, if we want to, like, you know, let's say sail to French Polynesia, what would it take to do it? Well, a big part of that was, you know, we have these bills. I mean, I had a, a truck payment and probably had a little too much on the credit card, and, you know, the money was not a lot left over at the end of the, the month, at the end of the paycheck. And so we had to really start saying, well, what are we working for? You know, do I want to buy the things I'm buying, you know, the fancy dinners? You know, do I need that high cable package, you know, with HBO and everything on it? Or do I want to put that money away and do we want to do something and go beyond that and, and, and see different things and do different things? And so we actually made that conscious decision, okay, we're going to stop with the fancy dinners, you know, or at least a lot less of them. Right, and, cut back know, cut back a little. Really cut yeah. back. And then yeah. we paid off our debt, mm-hmm. credit card debt. I got rid of the car for the car payment. We got old junker cars, and we we we, we then sold the house. Because, you know, if you're going to live on a boat, do we need a house? No. Right. You know, do we want to rent it? You know, what do you want to, you know, do you want that hassle? No. So we thought, let's just sell it. And basically the the what we got out of the house, paid for our, our, our old boat. Now, if we wanted a new boat, those things can cost like a house, you know, right, very right. expensive. Yeah. So we just went with an old 1974 35-foot boat that we could afford after selling the house. And then we just started living on her and, and living in a marina. And, so you started uh, getting used to that lifestyle then? We started tearing down in the beginning and then not buying anything, right? Yeah, and then we started getting used to that lifestyle. And then once we moved on the boat, we just we just kept our frugal ways with us. I mean, I couldn't buy knick- knickknacks for the boat. I can't 
I can't have Chihuly glass in there or, you know, <laughs> I can't right. have, you know, dolls or anything, you know, you can't have too many pots. Um, you can't have too much food or even toilet paper because there's only so much room for it. Right. Costco was not an issue anymore. <laughs> no more Costco. And every time we went to Costco, I swear it was $100 or more. So that was eliminated out of our life for a while. So you made sacrifices to live your dream. <laughs> Financial sacrifices and even comfort sacrifices. There you go. And sometimes, you know, that's what it takes to really do something that's worthwhile in your life, uh, you know. I agree. Yeah, you really do. You you have to analyze it, and then you can dream about it, but if you really want to live it, you really have to think about what does it take to get there, because it doesn't just happen. No, no, apparently not. What, you, what you're talking about is obviously, as you said, a gradual change, a gradual decision, and, and then, of course, a conscious change in your lifestyle in order to make that happen. And it was tough. I mean, our our friends thought we, we didn't have a cell phone until we moved. So it was like a couple years in the house thinking this way and, and reducing our debt and living, you know, a little more frugally. And then when we were able to do this, um, our friends were teasing us. We didn't even have cell phones, and everyone had cell phones. And we thought, well, that's an expense we don't need. Right. <laughs> Until we moved on to the boat. Well, they didn't have, you know, landlines for phones, so that's when we got our cell phones. So, Right. And those are things that people are like, what? You don't have a cell phone? I mean, are you, you know, a lot of people can't even imagine that, you know. Exactly, yeah. And, but, and we figured, well, we're at the house or we're at our work. You can call either one if you really need to get us. But, it, yeah, that was foreign. <laughs> well, they had to get used to not being able to get a hold of you at all time, too. So it's, uh, I can imagine that this would be a little bit daunting to your family. What do they think about all this? Well, they first, you know, the initial reaction was shock. And we had a lot of support from our family, maybe a couple questions, you know, of concern. But I was really surprised that people we really didn't know that well who kind of knew, because my husband kept it mostly to himself, but I'm, I can't. I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> I'm the kind of person who just, you know, this is what we're going to do and this is the plan. Even if it doesn't follow through, you know, I figured it would, but they would be uh, a little negative. Um, almost like if, if they couldn't see themselves doing it, how could we do it? All right. Mm-hmm. And some were shocked, too. How could? Why would you want to put two married people in 35 feet? <laughs> and living of living space, you know, and, and and so it's like, why would you want to, you know, put that strain on your marriage and things like that? So that was interesting. Yeah, I've been considering uh, getting a, a mobile home and and going across the country with uh, my significant other, but it's like, would we actually survive each other? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> and that's true. It really is. But you have to start. You have to start working as a team. You, you find that out pretty quick, and you really have to share more space than you did before. And and you, there's a lot of compromise in, in it, mm-hmm. and uh, you really have to think about it. But um, if you're on the same page, I think anyone can do it. Now, did you have you were talking about not getting knickknacks and things like that? Did you store some of your stuff away while you were doing all this, or did you get yeah. rid of it? 
We did. I mean, there were some personal things that we obviously had that we would never, because we did not want to have any bills that mm-hmm. tied us to land. So we did have a storage unit maybe, you know, up until the last two months of us leaving or even month or so. But um, So then my father-in-law, graciously, he took, you know, the precious photos or, you know, some of the books that we really wanted to keep, things like that, and he stored them for us. But it really, I wouldn't say it was too much. I'd say it, a van load or a truck load, a little pickup truck load of, of things um, that we, we kept. Uh, most of the furniture we let go. Um, you know, there was nothing, you know, or gave away or, or sold. But uh, when we were on our boat, pretty much, you know, we had warm clothes and cool clothes. Pretty much everything we needed was on our boat. Well, that's, and that's, again, another sacrifice you had to make, you know, Um I, I had uh, went down downsized from a house to an apartment, and I had to get rid of over 400 books. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> those yeah. are kind of it, you don't consider. Yeah. You know. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know the thing about the cruising community—they love to read because you have, you know, once you're out, you're going to these other places. A lot of cruisers will exchange books, so I mean, you won't have maybe what your favorites are all the time. And I did keep. A stack of my favorites, but um, and so did Kelly. But it was uh, it was neat because then we would really expand our reading when it came to exchanging books with other cruisers. Of course, now it's gotten even more uh, convenient now with the you know readers, your book readers. <laughs> yes, I mean mm-hmm. I now I'm really stoked if we when we hopefully down the road we'll be doing this again, which is the plan. My Kindle's coming with me. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Now they yeah. got you know sharing on the Kindles, and and you'll be able yeah. to get as many books as you like, and and store quite a few of them in there. So that's a wonderful thing. We it do is. have we do have a first caller. So are you ready oh. to do that? I'm ready. Okay. So this is going to be number. Your last four digits. Your number is five nine seven one. Are you there? Oh uh, yes, I am. Did you want to talk to Kelly, or you just want to listen? I'd like to talk to her. Give her say hi. Awesome. Okay. Kelly? Hello. Hello, Kelly. This is John from Seattle, your uh, doc, uh, doc uh, partner there down the way. Oh, oh hi, John. How are you? <laughs> oh, pretty good. Uh, so glad to get your emails, and uh, and I'm in touch with uh, your new uh, uh, Paul down there. We talked a lot with him, and and, uh, and you're looking like you're... Uh, your kitchen is doing good, so he he did a good job on that. Oh, he oh, so John is talking about um, we at, about a year ago. Uh, my husband and I, Kelly, we sold Maria, um, the our vessel that took us around the world to a wonderful man um, out of Canada. His name is Paul. John um, was an old dockmate uh, of ours in Everett, and um, he he would always be so gracious, John would, and, and bring us some Starbucks coffee beans. We find <laughs> them, we find them in our in our cockpit uh, under the Dodger, uh, and we knew John was was you know on the docks with some Starbucks. John, it's great to hear your voice. Yeah, it's so glad uh, we stayed in touch, and uh, I'm looking forward to. Uh... Uh, reading your adventure here and uh, and you know being the videos and that you had earlier on the CD and the book and the pictures it's going to be a, it's going to be very popular and and uh, my girlfriend took her down the boat she goes man we need to we need to take this boat and go places I said well 
there's been a lot of people on this dock who have done that. So uh, I think we're right at home on that dock to, to, to head off and go many miles. Yeah, F-Dock, um, where what John is referring to, is it was pretty famous. Um, there's a few people that came off of that dock that did circumnavigate out of Everett. I don't think a lot of marinas can really um, boast that, but the, one of the first women who um, did it out of uh, Solo was Karen Thorndike. Uh, she did it in her 50s, back in the 90s, and she did a solo uh, circumnavigation, which was the first U.S. woman to do that in the 90s. So we, we have a little, there's a little nor- notoriety on that dock there. Yeah, well, thank you very much for your time, and, and I'm enjoying your broadcast, and uh, and uh, we'll stay in touch. Thank you, John. Yes. All righty. Have a, have a good evening. We'll talk to you later. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, that's, you know, the, the Everett, it's, it's a sm- nice small community of uh, dock dwellers and, and people. We get to know each other, and it's 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 a good community there. Yeah, and it's, it's really cool that he could call in and, and share, you know, some information and, of course, be able to speak to you in person. Yeah, it's nice. I haven't, I haven't talked to him in a while. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know he... We've got some people listening, but uh, uh, most of them are just want to listen, so that's fine. Anybody else want to call in? Please call in at 714-242-514. So I'm going to get back to you living on 30-foot boat. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, there were uh, a few sacrifices. Um, I mean, transitioning from a house where you can pull your car up into the garage, you know, uh, so your groceries are in the car, they're nice and close to the house. Uh, the washer and dryer, you know, are in oh, the yeah. house. So if if you're that lucky, you know, most people have that. So, you know, water, you just, you know, have a nice tap water, you turn on the tap, water comes out. You know, when you're on the boat, we, you know, would have to fill up our water tanks and, um, we would, the you know, the car was parked out in the parking lot, so there would be, you know, a couple blocks worth or so of, of walking to and from the car. If you forgot something, oh, gosh, you got to go back and get it. Uh, the laundry facilities, same thing, and same with our showers. We um, we chose not to shower on the boat because it was a, a small boat, and there would be a lot of condensation and just water in the bilge and we thought we would just, you know, use the laundry facilities. So I had to learn to always bring quarters and don't forget my towel. And, and usually the first couple minutes or a minute is cold water. And you learn to want to just, you know, either jump in or, or wait till the warm water comes on and things like that. It was, it was definitely, uh, you have, it's a simple life, but you need to, t- you have to toughen up a bit to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the funny thing about your your. I was surprised that you had hot water. Yeah, in the marinas. Yeah, the, the the facilities are pretty decent in most. You know, and well, every marina will vary, but for the most part, we had some pretty decent facilities. They are catering to the weekend um, cruiser, somebody who's just getting out and wanting to, you know, like camping on the water type thing, and they go in and get their showers and wash their clothes, that sort of thing. So they, they, they're catering to more people that way, in the U.S. anyway. Now, I noticed you mentioned something about uh, being exposed to potential thieves. Has your your uh, boat was had a problem with potential thieves? 
Actually, it was our cars. So our boats okay. were pretty. Our boat was pretty safe. Um, it was the cars parked in the parking lot, and you had to be careful. And you know, once my husband had the ultimate sacrifice. I mean, he had a, a, a beautiful old Porsche, 1986 uh-huh. Turbo 944. Yeah. I'm getting it right. He loved it. It was his dream car. But he actually realized that if he kept that car in that environment, it would be exposed to not just the elements, but people wanting to get into it. So we um, bought beater cars and and just kept them up there, but they got broken into a couple times. Um, if people thought that you were holding some uh, tools in there that they could have access, you know, it, it happened a couple times. A, a pair of um, golf clubs, uh-huh. a set of golf clubs were in there and they got taken. Those weren't hidden too well, though, but you, you learn to get savvy. And, you know, there's good and bad elements sometimes in that environment. Um, it's a, a cheap place to live. So you're going to get people who are trying to do what we're doing or just want to, you know, just live a simple, easy life on a boat. Sometimes you get people that are less desirable. And But the good thing about us is we kind of knew who they were. You kind of well, kept an eye out for them. You can get that in almost any, any place you live, though, nowadays. It's so true. Yeah, it's, uh, true, yeah, I've had my car broken into just for the change in the in a chain thing. So, <laughs> oh wow, yeah. So you yeah. can't, yeah. It happens, and you just you roll with it. You 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 just go with it and go. There could be worse things that could happen. Yeah, you could. Yeah, we could be in between you and the change. So yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least at least it happened when you weren't around. So that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. A you know certain number of days when you went from point A to point B. So how long a, a period were you on the boat without, with you know, in the middle of the ocean? The longest I want to say is was twenty six days, and that was sailing from Mexico to French Polynesia. Oh wow! And um, yeah, <laughs> and it, and and you know our first experience was nine days and. That was kind of long because that was our first time first ever, and, and we could have done that probably quicker, but we were being very conservative with the weather that we had. But 26 days, and, and you really learn to get into a pattern and a rhythm, and you really get synced. You're synced with the universe in a way, the, the mother nature anyway, and you're you just it's just so peaceful and. And sometimes not, but for the most part, it's just pretty peaceful and, and a wonderful feeling. Um, I didn't know if I would like that or not, and I didn't know if Kelly would either. But it, it, we really got into a rhythm, and it was, it was, it's hard to describe, but it was wonderful. So you didn't have a problem with the isolation? You know, no, not so much. Um, you know, forty pe- forty vessels, I believe, or so that we knew of, left Mexico around April. Uh, April, May, and that's the best time to leave, um, the best weather window to leave Mexico to go to um, French Polynesia or Hawaii. And um, But even if you left with a vessel the same day at the same time, every vessel is different. Some sail faster. Um, some people choose to motor if there's light wind, you know, that if they don't get, if they're not going five knots, then they'll motor to go six knots. Um, we, we would go down to three knots or even two sometimes, two knots, because, you know, we had quite a few miles to go and only, you know, about 400 or 500 nautical miles worth of fuel, if that. 
So we had to, you know, 2,700 nautical miles, we had to really conserve. And so if there was light wind, we just kind of battled through it. And and if there was a hard blow, then we just would reduce our sail and just sail with it. So, no, not isolated. But we, we had a chance to talk to cruisers on the radios, on our ham radio. And that, that helped break up, oh, yeah. uh, you know, God. yeah, talking to I, that helped. I can't imagine not having any kind of uh, attached, you know, to anybody at all, you know, other than your husband. I'm sure you two got to know each other very deeply. Yes, yes, really deeply, <laughs> and and uh, and not just know, but rely, really rely on each other. Um, you know, that first going down the west coast was our hardest ocean passage, I think, out of all of them. I mean, there were some tough ones, but it was our first one, and it was the scariest because we did experience some some bad weather. Off, We were like 70, 60 to 70 miles offshore, so and there was some boating traffic, but not a ton, just enough that you had to fear, you know, running into or having a big container ship run into us. But, uh-huh. you know, the weather increased and got heavy and, and, uh, you know, there was fear. I had a lot of fear and I know Kelly did, but he didn't, he wouldn't really show it to me as much. (laughs) He was being strong. (laughs) And we would have to try and figure out, you know, how are we going to survive this? How are we going to make the boat? Because the boat was so uncomfortable and it, it would surf down these waves and another wave would hit it and make it turn its tail and then it would just slide down sideways a little bit and then it would correct itself and it was just it was awful that we had to learn I had to learn to get up on that deck and, and reduce sail and I didn't want to do it but no, I had to do it sure. did you uh, tie yourself off on the boat that way if you fell over you'd still be able to be tied to the, to the boat yeah definitely we had um, whenever there was uh, at night or fall weather we would definitely be tied off on the boat going forward going it forward of the cockpit area, um, past the cabin, up on the deck where you would see the big mast, and and that's where you would bring down the the sail. So we would we'd have that fall weather gear on, the yeah. the fall weather gear and the and the harness and our and a life vest. Um, but yeah, even if you fell, you know, my husband always warned me, even if you fall off and you're harnessed in, that doesn't mean I can even get you on the boat. I mean, right, right. away anyway. Right. Because the conditions are usually bad when that happens, and it'd be a struggle to get me back on, even with oh, sure. on. So I, the the rule is don't fall. <laughs> Stay on the boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I know that you mentioned a lot about being cold. Yeah, you yes. were talking about yeah. how how freezing cold it was. Now, when you say you you lived on the boat for a while and you still went to work. Yes. Okay, and then when you guys well, yes. Okay, so when you finally got out and you started actually doing the sailing and started going around, did you work anywhere else? Like you know, go, you know, be on uh, land for a while and you know, uh, stay in the uh, stay in the marina somewhere else and and work yeah, on yeah. in other countries. Was, yeah, and you know, a lot of people think they can work while they're um, doing this and. The only way you can really do it is if you stay in a country for a while. Um, if you're, you know, and 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 I'm just saying that in a general sense. Um, for uh, I, we knew somebody who wanted to work on computers, 
um, that was going to do that to help supplement their income. But it was very difficult because if he would advertise that he wanted to work on people's computers over the over the radio, uh, if like if he was in a certain country and the locals heard about it, they'd get mad because maybe they had a computer guy on shore that could do the mm-hmm. job. So you had to be careful. It had to be networked in. But we did. We got lucky. Um, we were in New Zealand for a while. We were there to to you rate out the the, the cyclone season up in the the like Fiji and and Vanuatu area. So you're down there around Christmas time for about five to six months waiting out this weather window. And um, we stayed at this marina idol at a one of the inexpensive little docks that you had to take a dinghy to get to from the shore. You, it wasn't even hooked up to land. You couldn't just walk. To, so it was pretty cheap. But um, so we but we liked it because we could get to the facility still and whatever. But it was still expensive. It was, you know, maybe $350 a month, which may not sound like a lot of money. But when you don't make any money, it's... Your cruising right. kitty goes real fast, yeah. Oh, so I got a job. <laughs> I got a job at an adventure park, and I worked. It was like a circus adventure park. Oh, wow. So this, yeah, it was really cool. <laughs> it was this couple who was an old circus couple decided to open up a, a trapeze and, and high-wire rope walking and, you know, big grandiose slides and they had a little mini golf and stuff, but they wanted um, they wanted somebody to to work the front. And I I met them through some other cruisers, and they and they said, hey, would you like a job? I said sure, and they paid me every day. Um, uh, I worked there for two months. Every day that I worked, they paid me, and it was great. It was it was it helped supplement. And my husband um, helped other cruisers get their boat or get their boat ready. He he would work on. Um, decking and um, help with little projects on there. So we were able to supplement our income a little bit. But we just did that for a couple of months out of the four years that we were going. Awesome. Okay, we have... That was great. Yeah, I'm sure that does help to definitely supplement your income when you're in other countries like that. I can imagine that you'd have to be careful. We do have another caller. Are you ready? Okay. Yes, I am. Hello. Hello. Uh, is this your zero five one seven? Yes. Okay. Welcome. Hello. And you know five one seven. I don't understand what that is. Zero five one seven is your last four digits. That way, if I have multiple people on there, they yes. know. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I'm calling from a friend's house. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, now I'm on the phone. <laughs> okay. Oh, I mean, it was on speakerphone, and then I'm at a friend's house, and I've got the Internet on, and I'm listening to the interview, and I didn't catch the uh, telephone number to call you on, but then it came up, and I saw it, and I said, well, i got a call. So, yeah. anyway. How? Now, we're, who, go ahead. I know oh. who this is. <laughs> oh, no, you don't. <laughs> yes, this is my mother. Thank you. Thank you for calling, Mom. <laughs> oh, Kelly. <laughs> yes, I'm talking to Kelly on the Internet. <laughs> Hi, Kelly. This, this is Hello. our friend, Nikki. We, nice we had lunch you. today. So, yeah. Nice to meet you. She's, so she's cool. listening to it and watching it. It's so cool, she said. Oh, wonderful. So, Thank you. 
Yes. Um, Kelly, did you ever tell the story, or remember that one time you called me, and I think you and Kelly Boy had just gotten off work, and you were driving into the marina, and there were police cars all over the place? Oh, my, yes, yes. Did yeah. you want to tell that? Uh-huh. Well, that's yeah. Yeah. Did did this story get into the book or not? No, no, it didn't. Oh, I, it, it's a pretty sad story, but it is, you know, it's I guess one of the hazards of of living on the docks in a marina, and and you really have to be careful. It's, um, it was uh, kind of a winter time, and it was our first year, and um, we were walking the dock, and there were police all around, and I had asked somebody, you know, what's happened, and they said somebody, we found a body in the marina, floating in the marina that's been there a couple of days. Oh, and what my. it was was a man. And it's he would he had slipped and possibly hit his head and fell in the water and nobody oh. had known he was gone. Um he was one of the liverboards there and um he you know, they, they noticed after a couple of days, you know, where is he and and no one's really on the docks around the winter time because, you know, we we just go to our boat in the dark, you don't see anything but Someone found him, and, and it was really quite sad. It was really quite. I never did mention that. Um, it's mm-hmm. one of those things you try and block out because it can happen. Mm-hmm. And, and pa- parents who have children on boats, you know, mm-hmm. and they're walking on docks, they have to be careful with with the kids and make sure that they're doing okay because something like that could happen to anyone. Yeah, uh-huh. and you, the thing too is I. When you told me that and you see all these things that are going on, I kept thinking foul play, um, but it was an accidental death then. Yes, it was that happened. Yep. Yeah, and yep. and actually that is part of what you go through when you do a transition the way you did, you and Kelly Boy did. Well, you that's something you went you know, expect to see going home, obviously, you know, driving <laughs> up in the driveway or yeah. anywhere and yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you you saw a lot of different things living the way mm-hmm. we did uh, on the docks and and stuff. But they were most of them were yeah. pretty good. But there were some, yeah, there were some things that you just that were a little sad, and that was definitely one of them. It was it was tragic. Mm-hmm. Now this is, I also, this is before you I'm started sorry. sailing. This is before you took off off on yes. your yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah so it was our first year. We were on the we were in the marina for about two two and a half years. So okay. it was our first mm-hmm. few months really on the marina. Did that um, perhaps scare you from from continuing with us? Did you have second thoughts on this? No, you know, I just I figured it was it was just an unfortunate accident, and you don't know we don't even know all the details how it occurred. And what was sad though is is that people didn't notice right away that he was gone. And that, to me, was the saddest part of of all of it. Um, like, why why did someone miss him right away? That's the mm-hmm. that's the thing that just resonates with me more than anything. Yeah, so, you, you know think what? it I, must be that time of I, year, or you, you thought that was that time of year that they just didn't notice. I'm sorry, that time of year. Well, you were saying it's, it's winter time, and sometimes people yes. don't notice because you guys get home late and after dark. Yes, okay. exactly, and that's it right there. Yep. Mhm. Yeah, but I understand now. I understand, and before I didn't is the fact, and I never thought of it, actually, that he was there for two days. So during the daytime, you have daylight, you have um, the the docks that you walk on, 
and it took two days for somebody to find his body. No, but anyway, I don't want to, and I'm sorry, Kelly, I brought that up. Um, it's just, <laughs> no, that's it's a good just, point. I mean, but it, it is, exactly. Well, it does show, uh, you know, everyone, the listeners, that, that this is very real uh, problem. I mean, could, anything could have happened. So yes, exactly. You exactly. have to be, have be careful. Yeah, and you were, yeah, you you were you became more aware, I think, yeah. when you moved. Uh, it opened our to eyes. The yeah. yeah, yeah, and and that's what you have to be is be aware of your surroundings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that was something that um, you became more aware of, Kelly, was huh. your surroundings. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, if you're in, in New York or in Phoenix, Arizona, you still have to, you know, when you're going yeah. walking down the street, you still have to be aware of your surroundings. You have to be aware. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, when Kelly was gone, um, you know, she sent us videos and emails all the time. So she kept in contact, and I knew she was okay. You know, just knowing that gave me the comfort. And then, you know, seeing them in the videos and the dancing and, you know, the local people and and how um, they live and uh, some of their customs. And, you know, one showed Kelly Boy cracking open a coconut. And that was so beautiful. You know, it's it just things that you don't see that often. Um, and that family, Kelly, maybe this is for a future reading, but um, the family that invited you to their home after a church service of some sort, and you learned how they cooked in the ground. Do you remember yep. that? I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and that's uh-huh. the wonderful thing about traveling that I'd love to convey to quite a few people. It's really, it's in my experience, it's pretty darn safe to travel out there. And when you open yourself up, people open themselves up to you. And, and there were so many people with not much of anything inviting us back to their homes or giving us food or, or just, you know, wanting to talk to us and, and opening up, you know, their li- sharing their lives with us, which really um, that is what I love most about the traveling that we did. You know, being yes. um, on the boat was one thing, and getting to the destination, that was really uh, unique and, and, and uh, an experience. But then once you got to land and meeting um, people, most of it mm-hmm. was very positive. There were some negatives, but, you know, you get that anywhere. Yeah, that, oh, God. And and what made you decide which country you were going to go to next? I never asked you that question. Uh, I'll do one more with you, Mom. <laughs> oh, oh um, I'm what, sorry. What, that's a really good question. <laughs> a really good question. Jeez, uh, um, so it's okay with me. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, what made us decide to go to what country? Is is that to, to the next to the next country that you were going to? It, uh, you know, it all depended. Um, a lot of it was following the trade winds. Um, you know, Mexico was the first natural choice because it was you know a good place to wait out the hurricane season in, you know, the Polynesian Islands. So you you hung out there for five or six months, which was wonderful. And then mm-hmm. um, and you just sailed, and then you would just kind of pick and choose. And Kelly and I did not want to over-plan the trip. We didn't want to say we had to be there at that time, at that day, because it's, it's impossible on a, a boat that goes four knots 
Um, so mm-hmm. you you just kind of you just really opened yourself up to being flexible. Sure, there were a few places we said we really want to be there, we really want to see this, but for the most part, it was let's just go and and see where we can get to and make sure we get there yeah. safely. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, that, that makes sense. So, okay, Kelly, I won't ask you any more questions until I talk to you. <laughs> you know the whole story, Mom. <laughs> oh, I know. No, I don't mean to. <laughs> I know. No, you're, you're wonderful. Thank you for calling, Mom. Audience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, just a comment. For the listening audience, there is a lot more stories Kelly has to uh, share with the, the listening audience. But that's true. You've got a lot of stories to say. So, thanks, yeah. Kelly. Thank you. Yes, love thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah, I love you too. Bye. Bye. <laughs> she was a good supporter. Mom really, really was a great supporter. Patty. Okay, I'm back. Uh, lost Kelly. Again, <laughs> uh, we're having ten technical difficulties with the internet dropping on and off. Uh, and you there again? I'm so, here. <laughs> yeah, I got knocked off three times. See if oh, I turn back again. Okay. Yeah. Right. So sorry about that. So uh, no. So, <laughs> so that's my mom. She was. She's a great supporter. You know, she she uh, every time I contacted her, she you know I know she worried, and so did my my dad and my stepmom. A lot of our, our family and you know Kelly's family, and but they were you know once we were out and doing all this, they were really supportive. Well, yeah, I think it's good, great that she was talking about that you got a hold of her. You know, you kept in contact, which helped her to not feel you know your family not to feel so um, left out of it. And yeah, yeah. knew what happened to you. I'm sure, I'm, as a mother, I know we all were. <laughs> You're never going to stop. Yeah. Never no, gonna stop. They, you know, we did um, do these little home videos, and we would put them, we would edit them and put music, the local music to it, and, um, you know, try to give them a little bit of the experience we had. And they really, it seemed like people appreciated it. At least they told us they did. Hopefully it wasn't too corny, but. Um, that was nice. That was something we were able to do too. Now these are the ones that you put online, and you had your own blog and and all that, right? Yep, I have them. I have a few up there now. Um, there's about four of them or so, and and uh, I need to do a little more editing. Um, but I put a few up there just to get glimpses of what it's like to be in other countries and things. One of my favorites was when we were doing the Indian Ocean and uh, visiting some of the the um, uh, countries up on the Red Sea, like Yemen and Sudan and Egypt, um, there was some beautiful footage that we got there. Now, where do they find this information? Um, if they went to sailingthewatcherhouse.com, 
So it's just like the name of the book, Sailing the Waterhouse, and then .com. They'll they'll stumble on our our blog, and uh, I have a link on there for the videos. And for anybody that's on the chat, I just put up that link online for you, so that way uh, they can grab a hold of it. Also, hey, you, you were also on Facebook. Where do we find you there? Actually, I just, um, I'm on Google. Uh, <laughs> oh, Google I'm still Plus. To get, yeah, Google Plus. Um, I'm, I'm working towards getting my Facebook page up, uh, maybe a fan page for the books. Um, that hopefully I'll have up before the new year, um, but <laughs> I haven't really got that one ready. I'll let, um, if people contact me through the sailingthewaterhouse.com if they want to give me their email. I'll put them on an email list uh, when I get a Facebook page. You can get on her list that way she can send you her Facebook information when she gets that up. So that's terrific. Now, you also have the book already up on ebook. Yeah, so, you know, being the the frugal cruiser that I am, um I I'm starting off with an ebook and uh I know not everybody has a Kindle, but there you can download it. There's an app uh for iPhones and things and iPads, but there's also a Kindle Cloud which I believe is free. Mm-hmm. Um you just you purchase the book, but you could read the book through your computer as well. Um, so I'm starting off with an ebook, and hopefully in a few months I'll, I'll have the printed version out. That sounds awesome, and uh, that's it's it's ebook at oh yeah on through the Kindle. So it would be sailing the waterhouse, swapping turf for surf. Yeah. And that's how you're going to write it in. Of course, uh, you're going to follow through on her with her name uh, in order to be able to find her ebook under Kindle. Yes. So that's how you find that. Yep. (laughs) If you type in Waterhouse, you should find it, or or Kelly Waterhouse, you you should definitely find it. it uh it's a pretty you know, and it's not a long a long read. Um it's just the first part of the voyage. It's kind of describing what we did to get onto a boat and that's a big transition. That was uh-huh. one of the biggest questions we had. How did you do it? How did you get started? And I thought right. we would start off with that. And of course that that's why I said, Well, we really gotta get you in here because uh, I was trying to do more of the uh making your dreams come true for the end of the year. So, uh, obviously, yours was a perfect story for that. Oh, thank you. Well, it, it, it really was, you know, it was a dream, and it was a dream that we worked together to, to make. It, it, it um, you know, we didn't have it instantly. It wasn't a dream I had my whole life. I never knew you could do it. And whereas my husband, he read about it, and he thought he would do it as a solo circumnavigator, just all by himself, but then... When he got married to me, you know, it was, well, I don't know. I don't know if she'd want to do something like that. But we, we just it just became a gradual conversation that, that turned into a wonderful lifestyle. Well, that's definitely true. And, and, and you know, it's funny that you were t- bringing up both of you named Kelly. Now, how did that happen? <laughs> I know, and we're spelled the same as well. Um, when we met... <laughs> He was Kelly, and I'm Kelly. And then after a few dates, I found out his name was Charles Kelly Waterhouse. And it was like, well, that 
well, you should be Charles, but really, he's not a Charles. He's a Kelly, a male Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) And so when people meet us, they like it. It's easy. They remember Kelly. Um, In Mexico, he was L. Kelly, and I was La Kelly. Um, (laughs) He's he's a lot of people refer in the family we call we're kelly boy and kelly girl but you know he's he's tipping the skit you know the age a right range of you know in his 40s so we're just going to call him kelly and i'll try and stick on that girl and try and keep it as long as i can so well kind of funny kelly girl i mean there there's uh there's that uh company kelly girls where you know you come in and work for a while, which is care you yes. and did. Yes, and, I could uh, do that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, well, maybe that'll carry on into something else. And it is kind of foreign for people to see that; they kind of wonder. But it works a little bit if if they read the first few chapters, uh, few paragraphs in the book. We I try and introduce that right away. Now. What is coming next? Now you got this one done, and, and after you get this, this first one in print, where are you going yeah. from here? Well, from here, uh, it'll be the experience of Mexico and, and deal, working with, you know, the first time working with um, foreign custom agents, mm-hmm. dealing with a, a foreign language, even though a lot of them can speak English in, in some of the places that we went along to Mexico. There's a lot that don't. Um, you know, so honing our mix, our Spanish, um, and and working in that environment, um, and then sailing our longest distance across the Pacific, and then it goes all the way through um, the, the Polynesian islands that we visited. A beautiful, wonderful, gorgeous people and beautiful islands, all the way to New to New Zealand, and our experiences in New Zealand. So that'll be the next phase of the book, uh, which. I'm really excited about it. It's about 90% complete. I just have to put in a few more details and um, and and get it fine-tuned. And and I'm really excited for that book because I feel my writing abilities have um, really improved okay. since I yeah. started the first book. And that happens. You get more experience, uh, and you get into the what we call a groove. Um, yeah. And you start to start making sense to you on how to write. Uh, now, that, how many books you're going to have total? Then? It'll be four. So all the books I'm, I plan on calling "Sailing the Waterhouse," and then each of the subtitles will be. The next one will be um, from mariachi lands to Haka, from mariachi bands to Haka lands. So from mm-hmm. mariachi to Mexico up to the Haka lands, which Haka is uh, a dance, a warrior dance throughout the Polynesian islands that even go through into New Zealand. And I thought that was very fitting because when you visit these Polynesian islands, um, like the Marquesas and the, you know, the the, the Tuamotus and the um, Society Islands, they all have their own variation of the Haka dance. And so, or the warrior dance. So it was really unique just to talk to the locals about their haka dancing and things like that. So it all carried all the way through to New Zealand. Hmm. So um, I was talking about reading something about that when things would break on your boat, you would need to get them fixed when you were in different harbors. Yes. How how would that go? Well, for the most part, I'm really lucky. My husband's like, you know, a, a, a MacGyver. He, I don't know, <laughs> he can fix. And he, it's so fitting because I break most of the things that 
<laughs> okay, I won't say most of the things, but I would break quite a few things on the boat. And I sometimes I, I ended up breaking a lot of things that I would just kind of keep quiet about it and just see if he would stumble across and, and, and figured it was just a natural <laughs> occurrence and I didn't have anything to do with it. But he he could fix anything. I mean, he and he would use the oddest things on the boat to fix they, you know, to fix things, um, twine and, and even a, 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 a clothesline clip he used to fix our little handheld, you know, radio, the little CD thing that you click in, the mm-hmm. little button you click in and out to talk. Okay, that button, plastic, just disintegrated. And so he used a little part of the wooden um, clothesline clip, carved it out, and replaced the plastic with that. And it was just just so unique how we would come up with these things so but you always i mean it doesn't matter the boat we broke things everybody broke things on their boat when you get to port you're usually looking for food and you're looking for um parts or replacements or you need to spend time where you have a good amount of electricity so you can fix what you need to get fixed um a lot of the time you're fixing it while you're sailing too so it's not just when you get to port so that's you need, it's helpful to be handy on the boat. Well, there you go. And, of course, it helps to have a MacGyver or a handyman around. <laughs> it does, it, yeah. And, and it's really interesting. On a boat, and, and some other cruisers have observed this, there's a lot of pink and blue jobs. And I, I like my pink jobs. I, I like to cook. You know, I, I'll cook. He, he Kelly, he can boil water uh, for ramen noodles, and that's, you know, <laughs> Maybe eight, <laughs> but um, you know we would uh, we we were happy doing those pink and blue jobs. Um, but we also worked together to make decisions. You know, he he had more the nautical experience and and he was more savvy. So I deferred to his, you know, what he thought would be best. But I definitely put my two cents in there if if I felt uncomfortable with something. There you go. So, what was your favorite? time or your favorite country or something that just was something that's going that you're going to treasure always. Oh, wow. You know, there's so many, uh, you know, there's 30 countries and, and there were so many wonderful, wonderful countries and experiences and they all have their difference. But I would say Thailand for both of us was probably the number one. Um, the cruising grounds were decent. The people were wonderful. The food was fabulous. The The prices were reasonable. Um, there were so many good things about Thailand that um, we would love to explore more of it. And then there's places like Indonesia where the corrupt, you know, officials, and I can't say all of them were, but there were quite a few, kind of tarnished the place, but the surfing was wonderful, and we met other great locals that just wanted to say hello and to practice their English, um, you know, and, and then the Polynesian. I mean, I could go on and on. <laughs> There's a lot that stick out. There really are. And one of them is um, sailing down the coast of, of Washington. I swear I saw a comet or something just bright, just just go across the sky that just lit up the sky and it was just beautiful and you know things like that I don't remember the exact day and time but I remember that image and it'll stick in my brain forever wow and and, and that's something you know for people who love astronomy 
Um, yes. Oh, I yes. I wish I had that. Totally different. <laughs> yes, they would love it because you see everything and all the satellites. I mean, but you see everything in a, on a clear night. It's it's beautiful. Wow, that'd be something to see. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's I, I'm I'm so happy to have gotten the chance to talk to you. And uh, the question, obviously, is is when you've got your first your books done. Um, are you going to continue with your blog, and and are you going to do some writing for uh, some you know, articles, or what, what's up for you? Yeah. Well, I have. I'm working on an, an article now, and I hope to get it. Um, if, if they like it, I hope to get it um, published with 48 North. It's a sailing magazine up in the our old cruising grounds in Everett, in in, in the Northwest, really. Um, they they have an excellent. Uh, sailing magazine that's free really you just you, you pick it up and, and read all about what's happening in that area about cruising and racing sailboats and things um you know kelly and i learned a lot of our especially me my ability of sailing um really was learned there in the puget sound and, and up in the bc area um and and i want to let people know that are sailing in those waters that if you can learn uh Get your skills learned there, and you can take them and and go beyond, and you can apply them in other parts of the world. Because, you know, with the tides and the currents and the submerged rocks and kelp, and there's a lot of dangers in the Puget Sound and and the BC waters that keep you have to stay alert. And those are great areas to do. So I'm looking at doing a few blogs, um, writing for a few sailing magazines, but I'd like to venture out and, and also talk about just the experiences um, in these other countries. Um, maybe mm-hmm. I'm targeting a few other blogs that just talk about traveling inland and because that's a big part of what we did too. Awesome. So the, um, another question I had was, and uh, I kind of lost it. Okay, if if you you would do this again, would you yes. suggest it to others? Oh yes, yes. I mean, our plan is to do this. If it isn't a world circumnavigation, it's definitely getting back on a boat and and cruising to other destinations. Um, and I would definitely recommend this to other people, even people who have children and. Some might think, well, you're jeopardizing their lives, putting them on the boat. You know, most of the, the cruising boats that Kelly and I hung out with were kid boats, um, couples that were, you know, in their mid-30s and they had, you know, 8 and 10, 12-year-olds, you know, on their boats. Uh, these kids were so well-adjusted and uh, they were homeschooled and they learned about life and other cultures and they learned that, you know, you can't be on the computer now because we don't have enough battery to to <laughs> keep the, yeah. keep it going. You know, so they understood that there's you know certain things they can and can't do, but they swam more and they played on boats and you know sailed the little dinghies around. So it was really a great life for families and, and, and couples alike. It's it's definitely I would recommend it. If you def you should know obviously how to sail, <laughs> um, but if if you have the the love to do it, um, and it doesn't even have to be sailing. If it take an RV and and okay. go go places. Yeah, I mean it, it's a great time to really connect with the other person. So you think that your your story would resonate with RVers as well? People who I, go out. you know 
there's something similar. Um, you know, with we met, and I was really surprised, people from Canada that were RVing in, in the States that went down to the Baja um, to this place called Los Freles, and they just hung out. I think it's called boondocking is what they call it. And they just hang out on a beach, and they're there for a couple of months, and they have to learn how to be conservative with their water, and, and they have to, you know, they, there's toiletry concerns and food concerns, provisionings and things like that. And if they get up and move, they have to, you know, pack everything in their in their RV and stow it and that's what we had to do is we wanted to move our boat from one anchorage to another there was a lot of work involved in you know bringing up the anchor stowing all of our gear um, making sure the dinghy was secured to the deck I mean it, it, it's it's very similar in certain ways um, but it's definitely a traveling experience and you're free in some respects oh that's awesome well I think I have all the questions anything you want to share uh, with anybody else here? Well, you know, I was um, I was just thinking, like, you know, there's so many people have dreams, and there's a, there's just a few that really get the chance to experience them. And it, it's if you have a dream, you know, plan on it. I mean, make it come true. Why not? It, you only have one one shot at this life, and if it's something you really want to do. And maybe you have a partner that isn't crazy about it. Well, maybe there's a compromise that you guys can work on. But yeah. also remember that living the dream, there might be some bad days in those dreams. <laughs> <laughs> little, little mini nightmares that you're wondering, why Why are we doing this? But if you pick the right thing for you, I think um, you could do it. Just plan on it and understand what you're getting into. And uh, overall, I think the small hardships we face are fleeting. It's the dream is it's the big big thing and you can live it. Just let everybody know that uh, these this interview, hand written out from Kelly is also on my blog at azpublishingservices.blogspot.com. That's az as in Arizona, publishingservices.blogspot.com. So I, I thank you very much for being on the show t- tonight. And I had a lot of fun. It's been a wonderful interview. (laughs) This has been great. I really enjoyed this. So I was nervous at first, but gosh, I I think I could get used to this. (laughs) Oh, we have one person who just suddenly jumped in here. Hang on here. Okay. Hello. Hello. Yes, hello. You're on on live. Thank you. I just wanted to say that I have read Kelly's book, and I think it's fabulous. I cannot wait for the second installment to come out. And I did have a question that I wanted to ask her. Wow, you caught us just in time. Go ahead. Great. I'll take the answers offline. This is uh, Kelly's Aunt Joan. But I I wanted to know, I wanted to know, um, Kelly, what was the scariest thing that happened to you throughout your circumnavigation? And what did you miss the most other than people back uh, as a land dweller, I mean, when you were on the ocean, what did you miss the most? And now that you're home, what do you miss the most about sailing? Well, that's three questions. Yes, three <laughs> questions. And okay. I will take the answer offline. I think you guys are great. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you, Aunt Joan. <laughs> um, 
Oh, those are good. Those are good questions. Those Besides, are good questions. people too. Okay. Uh, the scariest, um, I guess, on the ocean, it was. It was the first ocean passage going down the west coast to California, and that was the first part. And I'm glad I had that. Kelly and I had the scariest moments there. Um, we really didn't know. We felt our boat was strong. We felt the boat could go around the world, but we never could test it in bad weather. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with seas, deep high seas and, and high winds. So when that occurred to us and that happened for a few days, um, I was scared. I really was. There was fear and, and I and I didn't know, you know, is she going to make it? Is she going to get us down there? The boat would, the, the wind would howl, the, the boat would creak and groan. Um, you know, we had to go up and reduce sail, and that was scary. But every little, every little um, minute that went by, that seemed forever. Um, eventually, the fear went away. Even though the weather was still bad, you can only fear for so long, and you have to realize that the boat is going to get us where we need to go. We're doing everything to make it safe. And and so that was the scariest. But then once we experienced that, the weather we had after it, even when the winds got high, we felt more confident. And we felt like our skills as sailors and our boat would would make it. Hmm. And that's 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 the answer to that scariest one. Um missed the most on the ocean. That that I would say um having that instant ability to communicate that doesn't exist on the ocean. Even when people say, well, just get a satellite phone and and call somebody. Well, one, they're expensive. We didn't have one. The minute per minute price is expensive, but also it's not, the, it's not like talking on cell phones in the same city or even across the country. It's not as, um, as, seamless as you might think it would be. So just having maybe a chance to call someone up and say hello and this is what I'm feeling. But um, but you get used to just looking forward to the emails or looking forward to the radio, talking to the other cruisers at that specific time during the day. Hmm. Um, now that we're on land, what do we miss the most? Uh, we miss the freedom that our lifestyle had. And it was it seemed endless freedom. It, it, we could go and choose as we pleased. Obviously, we had to watch the weather, make sure that we were, you know, leave a port when the weather was decent. But there's a certain wonderful freedom about doing what we did, and and that's what I know I miss the most, and I think Kelly does too. Hmm. I can imagine, would they? Yeah, it, it's 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 it, it's mind-boggling how free you feel. It uh, just crossing an ocean under power of wind and and there's nothing I don't have to watch my clock to get to a certain place at a certain time to meet a certain commitment it's the commitment is making sure that the boat is getting to the destination and that we're 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 in the moment and that's what I'm not doing these days I'm not in the moment as much I'm thinking always ahead and it's a freedom and probably in the moment definitely wow now that's those are great questions then. <laughs> they were great questions. Great questions. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ed Joan. 
Well, okay. I've got a question that I am, that I quit, that I ask at the end of interviews with somebody who I haven't interviewed before. And the question is, now that you've successfully slain the dragon, <laughs> how will you celebrate? How will I celebrate? Oh my gosh. You know, my husband needs a shave. I might go. <laughs> uh, how will I celebrate? Uh, you know, that is a. You know, I we actually love to hike and and to to love to get out in the fresh air. So I'm thinking a hike would be in order, and uh, that's probably what we'll do. Well, that definitely gets you on land. That's that's one way to put it. Well, yeah. Eventually, we'll be back <laughs> on the water, but. <laughs> Yeah, well, then, I hope I, yeah. I slay a few more. But thank you so much. This has been a this has been a wonderful time talking to you, Patty. That's fine. Now, what I do is this, this is going to be uh, just for anybody who knows or doesn't know. This show will be available in about an hour, and you can listen to it its entirety at your own uh, you know your own level, and, and you know you can start and stop it. And also, uh, I will be giving the code to you, Kelly, to put on your website and your blog. Thank you. So. I appreciate that. So there you go. That's All that. right. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on with us, and uh, I'll be looking forward to seeing you at meetings uh, in the future. Great. I, I look forward. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. This has been a wonderful experience, and, uh, and uh, I will be an avid listener. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> so with that, I will say good night. Good night. Well, that was Kelly Waterhouse, and this is KWAD Radio. And just to let you know, tomorrow night we have uh, another new for us. She's not a new author. Kiki Howell is, has uh, many books in the Paranormal Romance uh, genre, but she is kind of, just came out with a brand new children's book that she's very proud of. And she will be sharing that with us tomorrow night. It's same bat channel, same bat time at 5.30 to 6.30 tomorrow. That'd be Kiki Howell, and she is uh, showing us a brand new book called Afraid of the Dark. It's a children's story about how uh, how, to, how children can handle uh, their fears. So we're looking forward to that. And so tomorrow night will be same time, 5.30 to 6.30. And with that, we went we went over our time, which is fine because I, I do uh, count for about an hour and a half. So that way, in case we do go over, we can. So uh, that's a good thing. So we we went longer than anticipated. So I'm very happy that we had the time to do that. And I'm so happy that we were able to talk to Kelly and with that, I'm going to say good night. This is KWOD Radio and Patty Holstrand signing off for tonight. You guys have a great one.
Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.